Welcome to the Gut Gazette podcast, where we have gutsy conversations about everything related to your gut. Mental health, food, relationships, exercise, there are so many factors that are linked to your gut, and here we talk about them all. I'm your host, Megan Marsiglio, and I'm on a mission to break the poo taboo, support digestive health, and destigmatize digestive issues. My passion for gut health stems from personal experience. I have IBS and Crohn's, and I know firsthand what it's like to live with a gut that has a mind of its own. But I've come to terms with the fact that it's my normal, and because of that, I've learned to embrace it. My goal is to have you embracing whatever it is you're going through. I hope to inspire self-advocacy in all of you, and after listening to each episode, my intention is you walk away feeling confident and empowered about your gut, mind, and body. So a couple of weeks ago on June 19th, 2019, the day after the Atelier Collective Conference in Toronto, I got to sit down and chat with Ashley Freeborn, who is the co-founder and managing director of Smash and Tess. Ashley is also a wife, a mom. She lives in LA, but is from Canada, and she's the author of the children's book, Frankie and the Magical Romper. If you haven't heard of Smash and Tess, you have to go follow them and check them out online. They are one of my favorite brands, hands down. They design and produce the most chic, comfortable rompers. They're super cozy, they're super cute, and you can wear them any way you want. I mentioned this in the episode, but I was initially drawn to them because I, well, Jillian Harris was talking about how comfy they were, and then I saw that they were launching a limited edition romper in collaboration with Crohn's and Clytus Canada for World IBD Day, and Ashley talked about the fact that she had Crohn's and how comfy the romper is when you don't really want to wear anything around your midsection. And of course, I resonated with that. I'm sure you as a listener do as well if you have any sort of digestive issue. Even if you don't, the days that you're feeling bloated, gassy, you have indigestion or stomach pains, you don't want anything around your stomach. Like jeans, no. Belt, no. Um, Nylons or tights. Like those are just things you don't want to wear when you're having any sort of digestive upset. And the fact that these rompers don't even really touch your stomach except for the fabric just sounded awesome. So I ordered the special Bella Burgundy romper and the net profits went to Crohn's and Clytus Canada, which was a win-win. And I received it, absolutely fell in love with it. I I wore the shit out of it in the first few weeks. Like I would wear it to bed. I would wear it lounging around the house while I worked, uh, throw a jean jacket on top and go out for a walk. Like it is just super cute and super comfortable. So anyway, I ended up reaching out to Ashley to see if she would want to be featured on the blog. She did. We stayed in touch. And then Smash and Tess also generously donated a discount code to our attendees at our Movement and Mindfulness event back in March and then when I heard she was coming to Toronto from LA I booked a time with Ashley to be on the podcast it was such a great conversation a couple weeks ago I'm so excited for you to listen to it Ashley was such a gem to talk to and she is so real we talked about managing a business and being an entrepreneur while having IBD what it was like to be pregnant with Crohn's the importance of mindset and being your own advocate, we talked about bathroom anxiety and just what it's like to go through all of the ups and downs of living with Crohn's. 
So enjoy it. Let me know how you like it. And please feel free to rate and subscribe to the Get Gazette podcast. So it's been over a year since I discovered Smash and Tess. I was trying to remember how I stumbled across you guys, and I think it was through Jillian Harris talking about you. And then I learned you were releasing a limited edition Sunday romper mm-hmm. with the net profits going to Crohn's and Claytis Canada. And I remember I set my alarm for that morning that you released it on World IBD Day, and I bought it, and now I'm obsessed with Smash and Tess. They're so comfortable. Amazing. They're awesome. And I also learned that you had Crohn's as well. So I reached out last year. We had a spotlight on you on the Gut Gazette blog. And then when I found out you were speaking at the Atelier, I obviously wanted to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for Mm -hmm. taking the time to chat with me today. Thanks for having me. I know you're super busy and it's a whirlwind of a trip. Yeah, we're all busy. We're all busy. I really appreciate your Mm -hmm. time. So yesterday at the Atelier Collective, you were speaking and your panel was all about what's your headline? So I thought I would just turn it to you to introduce yourself and kind of talk about what your headline is. Sure. So I'm the co-founder and uh, managing director of Smash and Tess. I founded Smash and Tess about, I guess it was longer than three years ago, but we've been to market now for three years. I was a high school teacher for 10 years believe it or not, and then got a job offer in Los Angeles. And so I got my green card. And after two long years and getting pregnant, our green card came through and we immigrated to Los Angeles. So since then, um, you know, I had my baby who's now actually an an American. I call her my anchor baby. (laughs) (laughs) I still think they can kick me out, but you know what, whatever. Um, And then Smash and Test really started to take off. And that was about year two of the business being to market. And so um, I had to quit this amazing job that brought me down with a green card and go full steam ahead into Smash and Test. And it's been an amazing journey. And since then, I've also written a children's book dedicated to my daughter about a magical romper as well. And yeah, life is good. So are you the smash and smash and mm-hmm. test? Because it's your mom who's test, right? Yeah. Okay. So growing up, my family, they would call me smash because I was a bit like I wasn't a tomboy, but kind of, you know, so um, I played a lot of baseball. So like when I was playing, they'd be like, come on, smash. And so and then my mom is actually Teresa, but we kind of like test as the Victorian term for Teresa. And we thought it kind of represented the brand because there was like this sort of playful, almost more masculine vibe of the smash. And then the test was the very feminine side. And so it's kind of that yin and yang. I love that. Yeah. And I was reading that you, your inspiration behind it was because one of your traditions at Christmas is matching pajamas. Yeah. That's actually one of my traditions really? in my family Aww. as well. Yeah. It's always pajamas. We get them on Christmas Eve though. We don't yes, get them Christmas too. morning. It's okay. that one present I yeah. get to open. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I've always loved it. Santa but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little early. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. That's so, so fun. So yeah, it was definitely rooted in that and just our desire. We've always loved fashion, my mom and I. And and so when we wanted to bring somebody on, when I got my ticket to LA, my mom lives in LA, we brought in Mercedes because she also shared that love of PJs. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, we have just were like sisters. So it was like an obvious choice and she had a, a background in retail. So that's now there's three. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So your inspiration was you wanted some comfortable loungewear mm-hmm. and you loved pajamas. What else kind of prompted you to start Smash and Tess? 
you know, I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I, I had a very stable job as a teacher with a pension and my benefits and, you know, all of those things. And I have an actual uh, graduate degree in education as well. And so I really did think that that was the way that my life was going to go. But as I sort of like was in it longer, I realized that I... I worked, first of all, I worked really, really, really hard. I worked long hours and I love, I love to work hard for things that I believe in. And so I often thought to myself, gosh, could you imagine if I had just applied this to like, you know, the capitalistic realm? Like maybe I could make a lot of money because I do have that work ethic. Um, but more so, actually, I was engaged to be married, just not my husband now, a different man. And we broke up and and my mom found the Vogue magazine and in it there was an advertising advertisement for um, the first summer fashion intensive at the Condé Nast College of, of Fashion and Design in London. And so as a teacher, you get two months off. So she was like, here you go, baby. Like, take, you got to go. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, you got to go make this pajama thing a dream. Like, go and learn what you need to learn. You've got two months off. Like, so I did. And um and what happened there were, were a few things. I realized what I was good at and what I wasn't good at. Um, but it, what was great about it is you got to test and try your hands in all the different aspects of fashion, from merchandising to buying to forecasting to, you know, all of these things, styling. And um, at the very end, I kind of grew the courage. I went and talked to one of the senior lecturers that I really admired. And I said, look, I want to do this thing. And what came of it was she was really excited and she was like, look, I think you should do it. I think it's going to be great. I think there's a niche. I think, I don't think why, I can't see any reason why you couldn't. When I know of you, you could. And so I ran out that day and I called my mom and I was like, we've got to do it. We've got to start the company. Like I needed that little bit of validation from an outside source that actually didn't know me at all um, to tell me that this was a valid idea. And so that's really the day that it firmed up. And when I came back from London, I was incorporated, I was trademarked and we were sort of off to the races. So, and that was just three years ago. That was like more like four years okay. ago. And it took about a year or so to build a business case, to build the brand profile, to produce the first collection and then go to market in the April. So it takes time, you know, like it wasn't just like an overnight thing, especially in clothing where you're producing a product and mass producing a product. So uh, definitely took some time behind the scenes before we went to market. That seems so quick though, like mm -hmm. three, four years and it's already this mm -hmm. really well-known brand. It's been a whirlwind. Yeah, yeah, that's a whirlwind. I mean, we never, like Mercedes and I were talking about this, but like, we never really think of it as a well-known brand. Like we don't really, we don't really sit in those moments of like success and just be like, wow, this, like we, we are always sort of driving for that next thing or like pushing ourselves. And I think that's just the entrepreneurial spirit. So you don't ever linger too long in those so yeah. people will be like, it's a, br it's such a big brand. I'm like, no, it is. Like, I just right. don't, I never think of it that way. Yeah. Because so. if you did, then it would plateau. I think so. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it's just, maybe it's just some natural thing that you have. You just keep pushing in. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I think it's just, there's so much more to do. So that's what I'm always focused on versus what we've done, you know, which mm -hmm. is not always great because you, you can start to just like chase your tail a bit, you know, yeah. and, and not sort of focus on on the now and just celebrate those those little successes yeah that's yeah. so true and it's not just sleepwear it's loungewear mm -hmm. and you can wear it anywhere you can yes. dress it up that's how it's pivoted it yeah. started as sleepwear and now i would argue like it's loungewear but it's more athleisure too right, right? Yeah. it's it's more like and that's sort of where we've we found ourselves now is far less in the sleep realm and far more in that sort of transitional wear it's so fun <laughs> oh, what's your favorite do you have a favorite romper 
Oh my gosh. Um, sometimes they vary. I still really love the original Sunday romper because I think it's so flattering. Like it's got a great arm on the shirt. It's got a nice V. Like I just, yeah. So I think it's still our first one, but every, we've got a really cool one coming out in fall that I got to wear yesterday and mm -hmm. I love it. So I don't know, like every season I have a new favorite thing. Mm -hmm. mm. I love it. I'll wear it to bed. Oh. I'll wear it just hanging around, put a jean jacket on with it. Yeah. And I do love the fact that there's nothing around your stomach. Yes. So key. when I'm having a flare-up or any stomach issues, I'm just like, I don't want anything. Yeah. No waistband. Yeah. That's awesome. It's key. Yeah. Were there any rompers in the market before you started or... I mean, I feel like I had, I didn't notice them until I heard of you. Well, now there's like a lot of copycats, but yeah. I think like with us, there were, of course, there were like jumpsuits, rompers and onesies, but I just don't think people were doing them in, in the way that we were doing them. They weren't focused on them in the way that the actual like cut and pattern and, and fit, you know, I don't think that was being done in the way we were doing it. And more so too, just the community of women that we've sort of tried to offer a platform for to support each other and connect with each other and that's really what smash and test is about too so but we see more and more i mean i think people can't help but look at it and go oh my god this is a success i'm gonna make the exact same thing you know and so that's been happening more and more and it's disheartening but we, we just use it as fuel to kind of push us to be more innovative yeah and they're not smash and test right so. well that's, that's what yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so you have crohn's as well i do how has that been how long have you had it for so I was diagnosed in 2011, but looking back, I think it's one of those diseases where when I've spoken with researchers and things like that, I had signs at two years old, you know, my mom had to put me back on pablum or like uh, early 20s, I would throw up every single night and the doctor's like, oh, you have indigestion, you know. Um, or you drank too much. <laughs> oh yeah, like things like that. And I'd be like, but I don't, like I don't understand. And I just every night would wake up no so nauseous that I'd have to throw up. And it wasn't until I was very, very acutely ill and I think it happened the night of my um, master's comp exam and I finally presented in front of like panel professors and something started to hurt in my stomach and I it was it was from that point on that I was really sick and even in the beginning I would go to doctors and they would say to me I would say well, you know I'm, I'm really sick but like I just went to New York and it kind of calmed down a bit and they're like oh well then it's nothing serious if it's ebbing and flowing and I was like oh okay well I'm like I feel it's pretty serious like I and eventually I lost like 40 pounds in like three months and and it wasn't until like a very close family doctor from when I was a child, like kind of took me under her wing and made sure I had the right test. But I will say Crohn's is one of those things. It's like, when were you diagnosed? I think is a good question versus like, when were you sick? Cause you just don't know, you know, Crohn's, so it kind of rears its ugly head early. If you don't pay attention or if you don't have the right care, mm -hmm. you can live sick for a really long time. Yeah, that's very true because yeah. I was diagnosed 10 years ago, but my symptoms really reared their head three years before that. And it was right. It took forever for someone to figure it out, but you're right. Yeah. Like when I look back at my childhood, it's like I would always have stomach issues. Mm -hmm. So it, it's crazy how long it can take to be diagnosed. And totally, how are you feeling now? Well, I'm good. I've I had a really really hard year, and I was definitely pushed to my limits. And they tried. I've I've never been poked and prodded more in my life. And I was, you know, I was on so many different medications. I gained a bunch of weight. I've now lost a lot of that weight. Like, it's been such a roller coaster. And all while I have been really trying to build Smash and Test. And so, and I also am trying to be a mother to my daughter, hands-on mother to my 22-month-year-old. And she 
I think might be the culprit in terms of why my <laughs> disease came back. They say when you get pregnant or have baby, it can really throw your whole system out of whack. And I decided to go off Remicade when I had her because I thought, oh, I just want to breastfeed her and not worry that I'm giving her this drug. And the doctors warned me and they said, don't like, but you know, when you're on a drug so long, you just think I'm better. You know, you don't think that it's the drug doing it. You just kind of get into it. I was on it for like three or four years and I was like, oh, I'm just getting better. Like, so I went off it and they did warn me, like, if you go off, you might develop antibodies and we might not be able to give it to you again. And so once I had my daughter, I went off and sure enough, within four months, I took like a nosedive and I was so sick that, you know, it was hard to function. I tried so many different things. Remicade, of course, I created the antibodies. I couldn't, they couldn't give it to me. And so I was, you know, dealing with all that postpartum stuff, plus a wicked bout of Crohn's, plus, you know, building the company and also living in a new country with a new healthcare system where, you know, it's not like Canada where you just get the drugs you need or you just like, actually my insurance company was denying me drugs. And, um, so that was super stressful. It was a, it was a rough little while, but I feel like I'm kind of on the other side. That's good. <laughs> yeah. 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 And when you develop antibodies, do you yeah. have that forever? Or? Yeah. Wow. Sadly, yes. And like, that's the part that I wish I'd listened a little carefully to my doctors, but you always think, oh, well, I'm not going to be that person. Yeah. Like it wasn't a guarantee that you develop these antibodies. And in my head, I was like, I'm not going to be that person. Like, I'll be fine. I'll go back on Remicade. And then they can test for that. And when they did, you know, they were like, you've got them. And I was like, shit, like, oh, like, so that was a huge blow for me. So then it was literally a guinea pig. I'm just being tested on everything, trying to see, because also I want to have another baby. So they were so hesitant. They don't want to give me the strongest thing ever because they want, you know, if, if I do get pregnant and then finally they just said, look, you can't get pregnant. We can't have you carry. We can't have you. You'll miscarry. You won't be able to so then I had to let go of that dream and then just focus on me, which I'm not very good at. So it's hard, especially when you're, when you're taking care of someone else yeah. and managing a business. And everyone has so many hurdles in life, especially with running a business. There's so many hurdles to tackle. But then on top of having a chronic illness like Crohn's or mm -hmm. any disease or autoimmune disease for that matter, it's just it's just another layer of hurdles. Yeah. So, and you mentioned that it has been very stressful. How have you been able to cope with that and tackle those hurdles? I mean, I think it's certainly not easy. And I was speaking with a friend of mine yesterday at chronic illness and she was, you know, she's a powerhouse. And I think at the end of the day, what we had in common was that it's a mindset. And I think people often will say to me, like, you know, I don't know, Ashley, like how you're, how you're still running smashing tests and you're so sick. And first of all, I'm very, it's, it's great to, it's cathartic to come and talk to you. Cause I don't talk to a lot of people about being sick, but I do that as self-preservation a lot of the times, because I think if I were to allow myself to get to that sick, you know, mental state where I, I think I would just kind of break down. Like I, I think because it's hard, right? Like it's, it's hard being sick. You have this whole other layer of stuff you've got to fight through just to, just to operate on a daily basis. So I really try to put my mind there and really tight, toughen up. And like, I really don't spend any days in bed ever. And I, 
I really think that that's the key to sort of pushing through. And even though the doctors would say to me, like, but Ashley, you need to rest. Like, you're so sick. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. I'd be like, but this is my medicine. My medicine is to push through and to take care of that part of me that needs to constantly be evolving and creating. And if I let that part stop or die, then like, I'll just be sick. And that's going to be what defines me. You know, I'm just going to be a sick person and I don't want to be that person. Yeah. So I also don't like the word sick or illness or disease associated with an autoimmune disease because there is no cure. It's just your your reality. Right. (laughs) And if you're doing all these things and you're able to get through it, then sick and illness to me kind of sounds like very negative. Yeah. It does. I just don't like to associate those words to it. And I think people can fall victim to that and mm-hmm. fall prey to that and exactly. kind of live in that. And I don't do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, like I think a lot of people be like, well, I'm sick. So and they and they can kind of let that define them and let that, you know, hinder them. And like, I just I refuse to let that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mindset's so important. Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. So important. And yesterday on the panel, you had said Uh, that in business to not be afraid of feeling discomfort because that's when you grow Mm -hmm. and I think that's true with all facets of life even with dealing with Crohn's like it's don't be afraid of what's next with Crohn's or any other digestive issue for that matter Mm -hmm. like it's okay to feel that discomfort um there's always a light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. do you do you kind of feel like that with your Crohn's or I do I think I got to a pretty bad headspace this last time where I was starting to get very concerned that it wasn't going to turn around, you know, after like four or five medicine attempts. And like, I was starting to be like, is this the my new, re- new reality? Yeah. Like, I'm just going to be this sick and go to the bathroom 20 times a day. Like, I... I was like, because at that point too, like I could barely travel. Like I was really, and I really was getting dark in my head, but I did, I did continue to kind of try to see that light. And I think that that's what did get me through is like, I was like, I know I can do this. I know that there's got to be a way like I, I didn't give up. And I also advocate really strongly for myself. And like, I changed doctors halfway through. Cause I was like, you're not paying attention to what I'm saying. Like, and I think that's really important because so many times we like get one piece of advice from a doctor or one little, you know, and then we're like, oh, well, I'm fine. Or, oh, well, I just have to deal with it. But that's not the case. You know, like every doctor practices differently. Every doctor has different like research that they've done. At the end of the day, you're your strongest advocate. And especially with something like an autoimmune where sometimes the symptoms are strong, sometimes they're not, sometimes they're, you have to be relentless and, and fight for your rights, like as a patient. And I... And so I did get down because I had a bad, I didn't have a great doctor. I was in a new country. I didn't know how to navigate it. I would cry and cry because I would get off the phone fighting with insurance companies that were like, you don't need that much humira. And I'd be like, but I, my doctor's saying I, I need it. And they're like, well, no, you don't. I'm sorry. That's excessive. We're not paying for it. And just that feeling of like, do you just break down because you're like, but this is so unfair. You're, you know, and so we had to change my course of treatment. So it's not easy to always, you know, hindsight is, is totally different. Like when you're in it and you're so thick in it, like you, it's hard to, to feel comfortable, comfortable in that discomfort. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's something, but the more in life you realize that you're going to come out the other end, the more and more I go into these things, feeling a little bit more positive or encouraged because 
I've life has taught me that even though shit is real and it's hard and it sucks like you do come out the other side mm -hmm. you know as long as you persevere and so I think it might take me a few more lessons of that to really really trust it but like I'm getting there yeah it really is those shitty situations yeah just put another layer of skin on you and totally you yeah and you don't see it in the moment and I, I always don't blame people that that hurt in that moment and but I, I I have learned to sort of try to trust the universe a little bit because it seems to do well. It mm -hmm. just puts you through these really tough, <laughs> you know, things. And then if you come out the other side, you're good. Yeah. And yeah. I really love how you say to be your own advocate. Yes. I had to learn that early on as well, trying to figure out the whole diagnosis. And that's something that I push as well because... Yeah. You know, like doctors, they're humans as well. Yeah. They make mistakes and you should be able to go see a hundred doctors if you need to, if you feel deep down that there's something that you need more help with or, you know? Well, and, so. and here's the thing. Yeah, they're experts. In, but what I always do is I'm reading articles. I'm reading, I'm reading everything I can read about my disease. And so when I go in, I ask those questions, mm -hmm. you know, like, well, what's, what's Stellara? What's that drug? You know, what, so what are the side effects that does that cross the placenta? Like, these are the questions I'm asking. And so they know, oh, I found out oh, this girl knows what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. So you almost go up a level and you really do challenge them a little bit to explain to you why you're doing the course of treatment that you're doing and why it's best for you. And, and most of the times I'll say, yeah, you're right. You know, the doctor's generally right, but it's nice to yeah, push. Like, exactly. you have to push and show you know what you're talking about. For sure. Yeah. yeah educating yourself. Yeah. How did you feel when you were pregnant with Crohn's? Did it get better? Did it get I worse? was in remission okay. um, the whole time um, because I stayed on the drug and I really didn't want to. And I went and saw two or three different um, doctors to get a second and third opinion because I was very concerned about being on Remicade while being pregnant. And their answer was all the same. It was like, look, if you go off and you go into a flare, you could lose your baby. So this is way better for you to stay on. And I fought it and I fought it. And they were so right because the second I did go off, I did go into a flare and I would have lost that baby. And so I, because it was a mean flare. And I, you know what, I'm like, thank God I listened to them in that time. My baby girl is so healthy and so strong. But the only thing going through your head the whole time, of course, is like, am I hurting her? Like, yeah. Am I hurting her? And then as a Crohn's, you know, you never think about it, but did I give her this disease? Right. Like that goes in my head all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's something you just have to live with, right? Yeah. Um, it's not something I can control. And uh, if it happens, it happens, but it certainly weighs on you. Mm -hmm. The whole time you're pregnant, you're just like, oh, like I'm pumping you full of this medicine to knock down your immune system. And that's scary because when they come out, they can't have their regular course of vaccines because mm -hmm. they've been... Their immune system's been whacked down. So, you know, you juggle with all that. It's not as easy as... But I'm grateful for the advice I got, and I'm grateful that I didn't go off the medicine because I think this would have ended very differently. So I'm very grateful that I stuck with it. And I had a few moms reach out to me or talk to me at the time, and they said, like, oh, I've been on Remicade. I was fine. Baby was good. You know, and that helped. So mm -hmm. I think... Have that yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's been the hardest part of this last bout has been, like, I really wanted to get pregnant. So having the doctors tell me that I couldn't because I was sick was really tough for me. It was really hard. And I had a lot of moms reach out on Instagram, even this last year, being like, I had a baby. The doctor said I could, and I did, and they're healthy. And like, so I, that part, I think, as, as moms of, of Crohn's disease, like, 
I want to get more active in that space mm -hmm. because I think that when you can't do that thing that I, I had already done, you know, I'd already had a child, so I knew I could do it, but they were telling me I couldn't and my body was telling me I couldn't. That was hard. It's one thing with your own body it, that's frustrating, but it's another thing when someone, this dream this, that you've had for your family, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you can't do that, you know, because yeah. you're sick. And that makes you resentful. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, that would totally make you resent yeah. everything that's going on. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I just want to talk about bathroom anxiety mm -hmm. do you have it oh my god yes because yes. you travel you have speaking engagements <sighs> you're busy with work how do you manage bathroom anxiety i'm assuming that you have anxiety about where the next bathroom will be or whether there will be a bathroom well here's the thing what you're doing is so important because i and this is why we all need to kind of stand up people with crohn's disease we have what the highest incidence in the world or yeah. one of the and i honestly think like even my best friends you know since I've been sick, they get it now because they know me and they know what I go through and the pain I go through. And so it, like to, if I'm with traveling with M Mercedes, for example, and I've got to go to the bathroom, I'm not anxious because she, I know she knows what I'm going through. Now, the general population, they don't know, you know, they don't understand like the, why is that person going number two in the bathroom? Like mm -hmm. gross, go home and do that. That's, I know that that's what they're thinking. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, it, it's it's so humiliating you know it's humiliating to as a boss too like you know when I would have to go into the office and we shared a bathroom I was humiliated I you know on an airplane I was humiliated it's such a hard thing and I think if more people understood the disease we would feel that anxiety lift a little bit mm -hmm. and um, and I also think too, like I've, I've heard now I've never applied myself, but I've heard that they don't often give out handicap signs to people with Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. And that really pisses me off mm -hmm. because as cronies, everyone knows how many times have you pulled over your car and ran into a Home Depot or yeah. a McDonald's or a Starbucks and you literally can barely walk across the parking lot. And it makes me so mad that it's not better understood and, and that people, you know, it is such an invisible disease because at the end of the day you're, it's incredibly debilitating mm -hmm. you know it's it's and that whole and so the whole time you're sweating you're trying to find a parking spot you're so scared to go to the bathroom you don't know what's waiting for you you don't know if it's a shared one you don't know if it's filthy you don't know but you don't care because you're in so much pain mm -hmm. and you can't even think about like you're just so yeah that anxiety is real but I honestly think the answer is like more more advocacy more people talking about their disease and it's not sexy and I get it and I get embarrassed too like mm -hmm. it sucks talking about it yeah but it's the reality and mm -hmm. if we don't kind of bond together and like push this more then we'll just continue to have generations of people that are suffering quietly and yeah. are anxious about going to the bathroom but, you know, I will say I definitely, one of my hacks, and I don't think it's good for me at all, and I never even talk to a doctor, but I would take Imodium if I had to get on a plane, if I had to speak in front of a room of 200 people, like, I would, and I don't even know if it was bad or good for me, but it would help me. It got me through those moments, and I didn't care because I was so anxious. I was like, I can't go into this business trip feeling like I'm going to be stuck in the bathroom the whole time, you know, so... You got to do what you got to do. You just figure it out for yourself what works and what doesn't. No coffee, you know, no, like, yeah. you just try to avoid that going to the bathroom. But, exactly. you know, sometimes you can't. Yeah. Imodium was my go-to. Yeah. I was really sick. Yeah. If I you've thought, got to, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. you got to do what you got to do. So, you had said that it's not sexy and you're right, it's yeah. not sexy, but there's so many other things that 
we go through in life that aren't sexy like having the flu having the cold those aren't sexy but people aren't stigmatizing them so it's yeah, true right. we have to just work together to make more awareness yeah I, I mean like it's diarrhea guys yeah. like what like I don't know like we just need to talk I think we just need to say it and talk about exactly. it and like normalize it mm-hmm. you know like people yeah people somehow normalize throwing up like uh, yes somehow was, like, you exactly. can just puke anywhere and people are like ah, I puked you yeah. know and you're like okay but there's something about the other thing where people just like don't want to talk and I get it I don't like talking about it either mm-hmm. it makes me really uncomfortable yeah. but like I'm just going to keep doing it because I don't really have a choice. Yeah. I was talking to someone at the Atelier Collective yesterday about what I was doing with the Gut Gazette, and they they said that exact point. We can tell someone, oh, yeah, I just, I threw up, or, and people are like, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. But if you were to say, oh, yeah, I just went to the bathroom and, like, had crazy <laughs> shit, <laughs> they'd be like, what? They would be so We should shocked. start doing that to people. Yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> Uh, So I guess I just want to leave you with one more question Mm -hmm. um, before I have a couple more questions about smash and test. Mm -hmm. But we all know how poorly stress affects our bodies, especially with Crohn's. How do you manage stress? Like what are your self-care hacks and go-tos? You know, I don't manage stress well. That is not one of my fortes. I'm a super high strung, like worry wart, anxious, like all of those things. I think it goes with the disease. Yeah, I, I think it goes with the disease and I think it definitely goes with being an entrepreneur. Um, and I, it's something that I'm always working on. Like I really find acupuncture to be good for me. I've just started going again and I'm like already, it puts me in a good, really good mental state. Um, makes me relax, makes me put my phone away. Um, all of those things. I, I also, I really try to, um, sometimes forget about my phone if I can, like it's hard. Cause I, at the end of the day, want my business to be a success. I'm pushing hard and it's hard for me to just put down Instagram because that's a vital part of my business. And so, but I will find if I can actually go out with my little girl and my husband and like, just actually not think about my phone so much for four hours. I actually, I really do de-stress a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also tools that I use that people don't look at as necessarily a de-stressing thing, but for me it is. And I really like to like write a list. Mm. I like to be productive, whether that's like organizing a drawer or like that actually makes me feel really good and it actually relaxes me. Um, and lets me, it's almost like I have to earn my, my relaxation and that's okay for me. Like you might, someone might listen to that and be like, you're crazy. But like I, I find the more I, if I can produce something in a day, I can relax. And so that helps me also like manage that. Yeah. You're totally speaking my language with yeah. organizing a drawer. <laughs> I love doing that. <laughs> organizing my closet. Yeah. Uh, so what exciting things are happening with Smash and Test? You had mentioned <sighs> yesterday the fall collection. Yes. A couple new pieces. Yeah. Fall. We're really trying to evolve our designs and we continue to kind of innovate and think of things that like are still super cozy and like still look good on every body type. Um, but that like stay true to our sort of chic effortless vibe. Um, and so that's exciting. We've got some really cool collaborations. I can't quite talk about yet, but they're coming up. 
uh, in the fall and working on them for next year. Um, and you know, just continuing to really grow the business and grow our, our Instagram and our community because, um, it's such an amazing community of women and I just am constantly motivated by it and inspired by it. And so I, that's where we put our energy. I love it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sitting down. Honestly, I'm so inspired by you. I don't really come across other female entrepreneurs who are doing amazing things that have Crohn's. So when I oh, found tiny. out that you also <laughs> did, it just, I felt so connected because like I said, there, there really aren't that many people who are vocal about it. Mm -hmm. And when I was following Smash and Tess and just loved your brand, but then saw that you were collaborating with Crohn's and Claytis Canada, I was just like, oh, this is amazing. So oh, well, thank, thank you, you for the work that you're doing. Oh, I mean, more people talking about this, the better. And there's not a lot of people willing to kind of take it on. So kudos to you for, you. for the impact that you're making. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Have a great time in Toronto. Thank you. Let's connect online. The next time you're on your favorite platform, look up the Gut Gazette and feel free to say hello. Or if you fancy a read, head over to thegutgazette.com for all things gut.